Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast for episode three of our baby break covering one star reviews of uh, the original Mistborn trilogy, the books that we've read so far, while Dak and Jamie are out just having had a baby, doing all sorts of fun baby things. So I am Data, and with me is... It's Joe, just me, too bad. (laughs) Yep, it's just the two of us, and this time we are doing one-star reviews of The Hero of Ages, the third book in the Mistborn Era 1 trilogy. So these are people who made it through the first two books, got to the third one, and were like, damn, that sucks. So I think that would be an interesting subset of opinions. Yeah, that is going to be, I feel like, more interesting because it's like people that really gave it a go and then at the end they were just like ah yeah so hang on to something everybody the sander lynch is about to begin from omega to mars from the council to the city of spars from the reaches of space to the pillars of a sorry grace there are battle warmatarians lacking in humility Turians are bragging about their reach and flexibility The clutter of the city spreads to the lowliest stars But no matter what scars you bear Whatever uniform you wear You can fight like a Krogan, run like a leopard But you'll never be better than Commander Shepard So, yep, we, uh... It's funny because some of the, a couple of the reviews that I read looking for one star reviews last week were like, yeah, I hated the second book. I'm going to give the third one a try, though. We'll see. And so some of those people I had to follow and like see, did they actually write a review for the third one on Goodreads and then see what they thought? And there I think there are two different people that I looked at and they did actually go on and read the third one and write a review for the third one. And both times they were like, you know what? The third one saved this trilogy from being terrible. Oh, Obviously. that's good. People, yeah. uh, people change their minds. That's good. So obviously none of them made it to this time, since these are all one-star reviews of this book, but I thought that was a funny little aside. Well, before we jump in, are there any book trilogies that you have read, and then you read the last one, and you were like, oh no, this is terrible. The Hunger Games, the end of the third Hunger Games book just like ruined the entire trilogy for me. So uh, I've never read oh, that really? again. I only read the the first one of those. I never finished it. I wasn't. It really wasn't for me. I think the first one was the best one, so it's probably fine. Yeah, if that was the best one, then for sure, then I didn't need to finish it. I'm trying to think of what other trilogies that I have read that I was... Or it doesn't have to be a trilogy. Just like any series that wrapped up and you were like, "Mm mm-mm. Yeah, hold on. I'm going to look through my Kindle now because I'm uh, I'm sure there are. I read read the whole series of um, the Guardians of Gahul books, which, by the way, are clearly intended for little kids. So it's not uh, I'm I'm not I was not the target audience for that series, but they were not good. It, <laughs> it started out okay, and then it just got worse and worse. Yeah, I don't think I've ever gotten to the end of a series and and not liked it. I think simply because if I if it gets to that point, then I'm not going to finish. Like I don't mm. like I have read series before that I just don't ever finish because I'm like you know what I'm not enjoying this. Game of Thrones prime example. Of course that one's not finished. Right. But it's prime example of a series that like I started and then never never completed the books that were out because I just lost interest. There, I, there's a couple series that I have on my list that started out really good and then it's not that they got bad or anything. It's just like uh, you you went too long on this. Like you've 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 got less interesting as we went. Like the first book of Richard Cadry's Sandman Slim books, I love the first book. 
Sandman Slim is a great character. They do it really well. And then the next couple books, still really good. I, I think there's eight or nine out now. And by now, it's just like, uh, I still read them. And the character's still fun. But it's just like, you've really kind of run out of good stuff to do with this. And uh, I don't, did you ever read um, Artemis Fowl? No, I never did get around to reading those. Probably because I I really just didn't see them as something that was for me at that yeah. i think by the time they were coming out i was a teenager and i really just wasn't interested in reading them so i never did do that yeah once again that this definitely directed at a younger audience i really like the first book the main character is really uh is interesting because he's this young super genius like villain and kind of unapologetically so but then as the series progresses, they want him to they want him to be a sympathetic, like somebody that the audience likes. So he morphs from being a villain into being a good guy, basically. And that that I was, I was just like, why? He was such a fun, like anti-hero, basically. And then you're like, no, he needs yeah. to be like a, he needs to be working to fix the environment and all this BS. And I'm like, that's not come on. That's not fun. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure. It, it got good reviews because it was an interesting like idea. And then the guy was like, well, well how can we turn this into something positive for, for kids that are reading this? Mm. Uh, and I'm, I bet you that's, that's the way it went. But I totally agree. If you did like a whole series of like super genius kid villain, where every, like even, even every book could be about different people that are trying to stop him from accomplishing his goals. I think that would be really interesting way direction to take that. Yeah. Yeah, and the whole first book is him like trying to pull off this heist against the like uh, against fairies, and he's got like this intricate plan. And even though stuff goes wrong, you know he's he's super smart and he's planned ahead. It's like this bad guy Batman thing. And I was like, yes, and like, at the end he like wins or whatever, and you're like, yeah, it's awesome. And then later it's just like, oh, I want to be friends with the fairies, and we're gonna help people and beat the bad guys. And it's like whatever, okay. <laughs> just gotta be so blah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's probably, I'm, I'm looking through my books and my, that's, that's the ones that stick out to me. The, uh, the, the, the gentleman bastard series, there's three books out so far and I really don't like the second one, but I like the, the, I really love the third one and the first one. So it's okay. Yeah. What, what are those about? I've never heard of those. Uh, so the first one is the lies of Locke Lamora and it's like, uh, it's like a fantasy. It's kind of, it's kind of oceans 11 meets game of thrones fantasy type thing where it's a uh, like clever thieves pulling a heist but it's also in this like really cutthroat vicious very bloody violent fantasy version of venice essentially and so i love the first book the lies of lock Mora, one of my favorites and then the second book it they go on like a pirate adventure i'm not really big into pirates so i'm just like eh, okay whatever but then the third one, they have to rig an election. And once again, that that was fun for me. So, yeah, you know, you just reminded me of this with Pirate Adventure because I'm not super into pirates either. But the one the one exception to that for me is the One Piece manga, not the show. I for whatever reason, I do not like the anime at all. But hmm. the manga is actually very fun to read. And I think it's probably just because it's fast. Like, you know, manga, they they stretch everything out in the animes right? primarily. And I think because the manga has such a quick pace to it, I actually really enjoy it. Mm. Um, but the anime is just way too slow. 
So that's probably the one exception to pirate stuff. Like I'm not super into pirates, but uh, One Piece, the comic, I actually really enjoy. Interesting. I don't read a lot of manga, so it's... Yeah. The only things I'm reading right now are Dragon Ball Super because the sh- the show ended. and uh, Oh, did it? Basi- yeah, basically because they were waiting for more material um, <laughs> because the anime g- got ahead of the of the manga. So I'm reading Dragon Ball Super just because I'm a big Dragon Ball fan, so I want to know what's going on. And then I also read uh, My Hero Academia because uh, that's actually pretty fun. The anime is pretty good. They uh, they try to stick to the manga as much as possible. I feel like, but uh, but yeah, those are the only only two manga I read that like are current. I'm not current with One Piece. I'm like way behind. So on Dragon Ball Super, they didn't like uh, Game of Thrones it and just start making up their own shit. So they did for the anime for Dragon Ball Super. That's kind of why it had to end because it got way ahead. So basically the manga has pretty much followed a lot of the stuff that the anime did, but the anime added a bunch of stuff or Hmm. changed or like changed certain story parts and things like that because the, the material hadn't been written yet. And I'm guessing maybe the author had a plan for it. And so I'm sure he shared that with Funimation who was making it and they kind of did their own thing with it to an extent because there's just, different things that happen in the manga like things that happen in the show happen a little bit differently it reminds me a lot of full metal alchemist because i think that's what happened with that show the original anime before brotherhood came out they were putting that out at the same time the manga was coming out because it was so popular and so the anime like parts of the story and how it ends are completely different than the manga so that's why they re-released full metal alchemist brotherhood which follows the manga a lot more closely Hmm. Okay, interesting. I never watched or read any Full Metal Alchemist. So. Yeah, I watched I watched the anime when it was out or when they were putting it out in the US because that was like that was like at the height of like Saturday's anime on Cartoon Network. Like that's all those shows, Inuyasha, all that stuff came out kind of at the same time. So, I was watching all that stuff. So there you are, listeners. Uh, no, no Harry Potter uh, digression at the beginning. No. We we went a completely different direction just for you yeah. guys. What's your listeners? What's your favorite anime? We could, uh, you know, we could do a show about anime if you wanted. Like, uh, could review. We could do one star reviews of Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z as a series. You never know. What could we do? We could do anything. <laughs> you tell us. We could do anything. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, okay, back to what we're doing this week is one-star reviews of The Hero of Ages. Wild Dak and Jamie are out. The numbers on this one were interesting because there are almost 4,800 reviews on Amazon and absolutely no one-star reviews. Wow. That's also not very many reviews in general. Uh, it, it's about – it's pretty close to what the other Amazon – like there were I think there were 4,900 for the last book on Amazon and like 5,300 for the first book or something. So it's not – no, maybe it's 70-something. Gotcha. Yeah, it's 7,600 for the first book, so – But anyway, so this book has 82% five-star reviews on Amazon. So overall, people like it a lot on Amazon. Yeah, which I feel like if you've gotten this far into the series and you've read the third book, I feel like you're probably already kind of in. Yeah, it's true. I I, I would think that as well. So for Goodreads, which is obviously where all of our reviews today will be coming from because there were no one-star reviews on Amazon, there are 300,000 ratings. and Word? 
2,200 of them are one star, which comes out to 0.7%. So a little less than a percent, which is pretty close to what it was last time for the other book, too. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's get into these. Alex Deranged Kitty Cat on Goodreads says, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know, right? I'm so well. And te- okay, technically, it's Alex and then biohazard symbol and then deranged kitty cat and then biohazard symbol again. Sure. So uh, I, I guess that's important for the name. Uh, they they said uh, actually I, I missed this first line. DNF about five hours into the book, so they did not finish five hours in. Hmm. I'm sorry. Me and this book are too different. I loved book one. Tried my best to finish book two, but book three got me. Reading about Ellen and in parentheses and not Kelsier. Feels like going to a Queen concert featuring Adam Lambert instead of Freddie Mercury. Enough is enough. There are too many amazing books out there. (laughs) Is that was that the whole thing? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Okay, so he has equated Ellen to being Kelsier, which I don't think you're meant to equate that at all. I also don't think Ellen's really the protagonist of the book, which Kelsier felt like he felt like more of a protagonist in the first book than I think. But also. I love his comparison. It's like uh, your compare your comparison is exactly right. Kelsier is dead. So is Freddie Mercury. Unfortunately, <laughs> the band is also not the same. You know, the original lineup is completely different. So I feel like your argument doesn't really have much merit because it's like Brian May is not even the guitarist anymore at this point in the, like in this series. Like Brian May is gone. There is no Brian May equivalent here. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not really sure what your issue is with Ellen. He's yeah, he was a dopey guy in the first book, but uh I feel like this book speaks speaks heavily to his character. Of course he didn't finish, so he didn't yeah. get to like he didn't even get to all the inner turmoil stuff and then like if he was only five hours in, you know, he didn't he probably didn't get to a lot of the inner turmoil stuff and then the ending where he sacrifices himself. So Right. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on how fast a reader you are, how far you get in five hours, but it's a right. book, so I feel like you probably didn't get near the end. I, this was, It's actually a common complaint in some of the reviews that I saw that people miss Kelsier. They're just like, okay, yeah, the book is whatever. Kelsier's not here anymore, so I don't like it anymore. Interesting. So they came for the Kelsier in the first book. They suffered through no Kelsier in the second book. I'm not sure what they thought was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you thought Kelsier was good. I wasn't dead after all. Yeah, he like walks over the rise, you know, no bones, obviously, because his bones have been taken. Yep. And just like, I'm here. I mean, well, and he kind of does. We find out after Secret History. It, sure. There, there, there is some of that to it. Yeah. It sounds like these people needed to read the Secret History parts up to the end of the second book after reading the second book to enjoy it. Mm. Yeah, I guess you could do that. You could read the second book and then read like the first two parts or two chapters or whatever of Secret History where it's just mm-hmm. Kelsier hanging out in the. But then you get all the ruined stuff kind of ruined for you because you know a bunch about him. That's before true. You get the third book. But I'm glad you knew some details about Queen because I don't know. I'm not a music person in general, so I don't know anything about that <laughs> band. I'm like, is Adam Lambert a guy who's in Queen? I don't fucking know. Yeah. So, yeah, Freddie Mercury, obviously the original lead singer, famously died of AIDS or complications uh, because of AIDS. And then Adam Lambert, who I think was a a winner of American Idol in one of the seasons. I don't know. I never watched American Idol. But then eventually he became like the replacement singer for Queen. They basically decided to reform the band, go back on tour, and that he would be the singer. So that's Mm. that's that's what's going on with Queen right now. If they're I mean, 
they're obviously, I mean, they may be touring at this point. I, I don't know who's touring now with, with COVID ramping back up, but the, for some reason, when I read Adam Lambert there, uh, my, my, my mind went to like Christopher Lambert from the Highlander. And uh, <laughs> that would be great if Christopher Lambert was was lead singer yeah, for Queen. I was like, wait a second, is he in Queen? I don't. This is I don't weird. think can he even sing? I mean, I don't. I I don't know. I want to see Lord Raiden up there on stage trying to sing. That'd be cool. Right? Yeah, he's real old now though. So yeah, he is. Wasn't he also in Warlock? Uh, I don't know. Let's, let's take a look at his IMDb. I got him pulled up right now. Uh, that movie's not good. Oh wow, he's got lots of movies in production right now. There's like oh, that's cool. six or seven movies on this list of stuff that he is in pre-production or post-production. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11, he voiced Raiden. Sure, that's He's cool. Se- several episodes of The Blacklist, apparently, which uh, I don't remember. That may have been after I stopped watching it. Mm, maybe he's like a, another criminal guy that helps, or he's a new a new FBI guy. Yeah, who knows? Uh, several episodes of NCIS Los Angeles. I never watched NCIS Los Angeles. Not a big, not a big fan. Uh, no. He's in he's in the second Ghost Rider movie as uh, Methodius. Oh, man, sorry I missed that. <laughs> uh, Druids, Highlander, Endgame, Beowulf, Hercule, and Sherlock. Oh, is it like Hercule Poirot and Sherlock? That's okay. Yeah, that's, gotta be. That's interesting. Yeah, Agatha Christie meets Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Probably not good. Probably made for TV. Yeah, he's in the movie Loaded Weapon One, uncredited as Man with Carpet. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, he's he's in lots of weird stuff, yeah. is what I'm learning. Was did you ever see the Sherlock thing where Vincent D'Onofrio played Moriarty? I don't think so. That doesn't do, sound familiar. I, I want to say it was like a terrible, like straight to video Sherlock Holmes movie and. Vincent D'Onofrio plays plays Moriarty, and it's terrible. Sherlock, Case of Evil, a 2002 film. Yeah, there you go. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, way before uh, RDJ made his character beloved again. So, I like the description here. It's a made-for-television movie featuring James Darcy as Sherlock Holmes. Is that, does that actually say his name? D-apostrophe-A-R-C-Y? Is it Darcy? Darcy? D-R-C-Y. Darcy, yeah, maybe. He plays Jarvis in Agent Carter. That's the only thing that I remember him from off the top of my head. I just don't know how to say his name. Uh, the story noticeably departs from the classic depiction, style, and backstory of the original material. So Sherlock Holmes, totally different backstory, totally different style, totally different everything. He's from Brooklyn. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, probably not. But <laughs> Brooklyn! He's a kid from Brooklyn, and uh, he takes some super soldier serum that makes him wicked smart. That's, wait, that's, wicked. that's Boston. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's Boston. That doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked a lot on this one. Okay. Um, <laughs> what are you, wicked? What are you, wicked smart? Okay, this one is a very short one. And another complaint that I saw several times on Goodreads, and I'm, I'm, I, have, I have some internal theories about this because it doesn't make sense to me to take it at face value, but I'll just read. It's, one, it's like one sentence. Thinly veiled Mormon propaganda. Avoid. Wait, 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 what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More thinly veiled Mormon propaganda. Hey, just because the guy grew up Mormon and lives in Utah doesn't mean everything he writes is thinly veiled Mormon propaganda. But hey, maybe I'm the asshole. Maybe I don't know about, enough about Mormonism. Maybe this person is totally right. Well, and I was about to say, I know some stuff about the religion, 
and none of this fits with that in my brain, but there were several people mm-hmm. who were like, oh, this is clearly him pushing his Mormon beliefs, but by, by, by halfway through this book, it becomes so preachy and clearly Mormonism being shoved at you that I couldn't finish it. And I'm like, really? I didn't get wow. that at all. Yeah, maybe we're just dumb. Maybe. Uh, I, I, I thought maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe some church somewhere was mad. They're like, oh, this popular author is a Mormon. We have to go out there and stop people from reading his stuff. And we're like, hmm. leaving lots of reviews where it's like, no, don't listen to this. It'll turn you into one of them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I'm not taking this fantasy novelist gospel, no matter uh, <laughs> no matter what religion it's thinly veiled as. So I'm not sure what the what the concern is. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't get that. I mean, is there stuff about volcanoes in Mormonism? I don't. Uh, I was I was about to quote like uh, uh, some Scientology stuff where there's volcano right. involved. But yeah, no, there's I don't, definitely I don't volcanoes know if... <laughs> in Scientology. I knew that. Volcano mouth, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's strange, man. I don't know what they're talking about. I mean, I guess they eat God's body or become gods. I don't know. Like, I don't. I guess. I mean, yeah, they do use part of like a God's body, but then that God dies and somebody else becomes God. And I don't think that there's right. anything very Mormon in that. But no, I don't, I don't know. No. I just don't know enough I mean, about Chris, it to like comment, I guess. Uh, yeah, let's let's just move on because we we clearly don't know. Maybe these people are exactly right. Maybe the Mormon Church says like 100% that's what it is, but we don't know. To be fair, most of my original knowledge of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints comes from that South Park episode. True. Yeah, that's where most of mine comes from. I mean, I've read more stuff about it about it since then at various times, but that's like the foundation of my knowledge. So that's probably not a great uh, no. place to make any comments from. Definitely not. Yeah, not a great jumping off point. All I can think of is like joseph smith looking in a hat i don't even remember anything else really okay we'll, we'll go on to here's here's another one that touches on something that a lot of people were complaining about in the reviews that i wrote so this is from jack and jack says despite my review below this author author has become my absolute favorite in the genre ironic how things turn out the following three books are so much better than the first three i assume he probably means the the next three Mistborn books that have come out the yeah era two they are very different from these for sure. But so the rest, the rest of his actual one star review is I have decided that this author isn't very clever. The amount of reputation, r- reputation, repetition, and the stupidity of the characters mean that I'm either a genius and I'm not, or that the author has a very low level of intelligence. I can survive with the stupidity, but the repetition, I felt like I, I felt that I want to grab him and shake the crap out of him yelling. Yes, I know pewter gives power. Ellen is a freaking scholar. Vim lived on the streets. Stop repeating that. We have brains. We can keep information stored in our brains for more than three pages. Trust me, this is a normal human ability, and you don't need to be a misborn to be able to do that. That's that's it. I guess, like, and I can see where he's coming from if that's his main issue. Like, he keeps repeating what metal does what because he keeps saying, like, Vin pulled on pewter too. But at the same time, if I was like, I'm trying to think if I was writing it, I want you to understand with clarity what is going on. So if I just say Vin punches the guy and he sl- he flies across the room and slams into the wall, like I-, I want you to know that that didn't just happen because there are parts in this book where shit just happens and it's not like clear what's going on. Because it's something else. It's not, you know, it's not he- uh, allomancy. It's ferrochemy or it's hemallergy. So yeah. 
I, I like I get what you're saying. We've been in the world for a while now by the third book, but at the same time, for the sake of clarity, I think I think you can forgive repetitiveness. When it comes to the medals, especially, I'm like part of it is look. There's like 14 different medals at this point, and I guarantee you, if he didn't say which medal was being used at which time, there would be people who are like, I was so confused. There's too much stuff in this magic system, and I never remember what does what, and he doesn't help. So yeah, well, let me see if I can name it right now. After I've read those books, let me see if I can figure them all out. Okay, Okay, so we got we got because because you know I should know right. I'm not an idiot. Right. So we got pewter. That's that's for strength and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Tin. That's for senses. We got steel and iron, and those for are for pushing and pulling. Am I right on those? Yep. yep. Uh, we got copper. Is that for soothing? No. Okay. Brass. Is that for soothing? Uh, and see this one. I uh, it, these the the soothing and the rioting. I never remember straight up. So hold on. Yeah, because they don't uh, they don't say that a lot. They just say he's doing it. I feel like that's the one they probably repeat the least of what metal it is because they just say he soothed. Because it's brass and zinc. And okay, so soothers are brass. Soothers are brass. The so rioters are zinc. See, I would yeah. have remembered like even after reading all three of these books, definitely would not have remembered that that rioting was zinc. Mm-hmm. Coppers for smoking. And shit, what's the thing Marsh does? Seeking, and mm-hmm. that is, uh, I don't know. What's seeking? Bronze. See, and that's after reading three books. I still don't remember all of them. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you got Adium, you got Gold, you got uh, Lorassium, the the eleventh metal, which name, whose name I can't remember. Uh, um, they call that Maladium. Maladium. And then you got Duralumin, Aluminum, mm-hmm. and then I can't even... Did they ever name all 16? No, but you're missing one that they did name. You got everything but one. Uh, hit me with it, because I don't remember. Electrum. Oh, that's the, right, Electrum. The poor that's, man's that's Adium or whatever. Yeah, that's introduced in the third one. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's... I'm an intelligent guy. I read all three books. I, it was very hard for me to remember all of those medals and what each of them do. I, and I didn't look at anything to do that clearly because I had a, had an issue with it. So I think, I think we can forgive for the sake of clarity. We can forgive Brandon for being repetitive. Yeah. Um, it's nowhere near as much as in like the first few fights in the first book when he's yeah. really trying to right. like explain everything. Well, and yeah, so the medals I give him pass on, a lot of people complain about like the characterization stuff, like like he, like this person says, Ellen is a scholar, Vin grew up on the streets, you don't need to tell us this stuff over and over again. And I never felt like that was overly done, like that kind of thing. I, I, and maybe I yeah. just don't notice it as much as some other people. But I feel like like I read the I, I I love the Dresden Files, my favorite series. But for the first like ten books, every single book, we get the same introductions to everyone because yeah. he's got to prepare for new people who have never re- read this before to meet all the characters again. And it's like, this person was yeah. five foot tall and had this color blonde hair and acted like this and looked like this. And it's like the same description every book. And that got to me. Like, I picked up on that. I don't, I didn't pick up on the same thing here, but uh, maybe yeah. other people are more sensitive. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely happens with the best of authors. Yeah, Jim Butcher for sure <laughs> in the Dresden Files. And and I even noticed that one quite a bit. But at the same time, the Dresden Files are definitely could be read uh, until you get to a certain part in the series. They could be read as more self-contained stories. Yeah. So because uh, like you said, Dresden Files. But anyway, yeah, um, 
but uh so yeah the introductions are kind of probably needed there jk rowling bringing it back to harry potter does the same thing in the first four books every book she introduces you this is harry potter he's not a normal boy he's a wizard he goes to wizard school meet his family they suck yeah voldemort killed his parents it's the worst moving on she does that for the first four books at least Mm, yeah i don't think it's until i don't think it's until the fifth book that you get you don't get an introduction to who he is actually you may actually get it it's just not in the first chapter because I think the fifth you do book, get... the first chapter is from that other perspective, right? Uh, the fifth the sixth book? book. Maybe I'm thinking the sixth book. Yeah, the sixth book is from is like from Narcissus Malfoy's perspective. Yeah. But um, but no, I think the fifth book starts. Oh, that with... one starts with him in the garden, right? Well, I don't Listening think that's the... the radio. Well, the maybe TV? that is the first chapter. Dudley Demented. Yeah, that is the first chapter. So you get a slight introduction to him there, not as not as like overly explanatory or expositional as as the other previous books but uh but yeah the sixth book actually starts with um with uh, the prime minister of britain and then the second chapter is the one uh, at yeah. uh, snape's house i forgot the prime minister bit um but yeah so 100 percent authors do that and you know there's a there's an editorial reason why they do that it's like you have to you have to understand that maybe this isn't the first time or that maybe this is the first time somebody's picking up this book. Maybe mm-hmm. they randomly found it in a library and started reading it. And so you kind of have to explain like, hey, this is what's going on. But that all being said, I don't think that he over explains who Ellen is or who Vin is. I feel like it's such a big part of their character that it just kind of naturally comes out. So mm. yeah, really, I mean, going, I, it never occurred to me before hearing about this incident in particular, but going back to the Dresden files, like the seventh book in that series is the first one that got made as a hardcover uh, in the original printing. And so the publisher was like, look, you might want to do something. This is going to be your first hardcover. It's going to draw a lot of new people that will pick up this as the first book. So you want to do something for this book that's going to be a good introduction to people into the world. And he actually like switched the order that the story Mm. for the seventh and the eighth books were going to happen because uh, this one that ended up being the seventh, he thought was more interesting for new people. The seventh is Deadbeat? Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, it's really one of my favorites up until the most recent ones. But yeah, yeah. if you guys uh, aren't reading the Dresden Files and you <laughs> like urban fantasy, uh, dude, pick it up. They're good. Yeah, somebody in the Discord was talking, uh, was asking the other day, it's like, hey, should I read the Dresden Files or Codex Alera? Those are two of his series. And I was like, I love the Dresden Files. I always recommend that. They're, they read the first book and were like, oh, this is really fun. So yeah. I'm glad people Stormfront, are getting into Stormfront, I think, is still a very strong introduction like to his work it's i still think it's pretty good like it's it doesn't suffer the same pains as i feel like a lot of other first story uh first like introduction series books suffered i think it's i think it's actually pretty good uh all the way through a lot of people say the second one is the worst and the first one is the second to worst of the series so really? people can get discouraged on those but uh yeah the second I like one them, i so. do not like i don't like uh well i won't spoil it for people who haven't read it but i don't <laughs> like the story or the beast the beasties that he's fighting in that in that particular yeah. book somebody else said that in the discord too they're like yeah i read the first two but i didn't like the second one so much that i never continued so yeah those same reasons basically that you said so yeah. that's kind of funny but uh no like uh the the third one's okay the fourth one i think is really where it picks up i like where it summer takes night. off yeah yeah i like summer night a lot i actually really like death masks too mm-hmm. yep uh deadbeat's good proven guilty's 
not my favorite. I love Proven Guilty personally, but that's really yeah. yeah. It's just not. It's just not for me. But it's it's still pretty good. And then I haven't finished. Uh, I haven't finished White Knight yet. Mm. Anyway, sorry. I do a lot. I'm sorry about so much Dresden Files this time, guys. No, uh, it's fine. They so. came here for it. It's all good. <laughs> So the next you guys one. Guys want us to do Dresden Files stuff for the, <laughs> for the extra podcast. I, I, I would be perfectly happy to talk Let's about that all day long. I'm yeah. just saying. So, but then it's and not I know, so much the Sanderson no, podcast. Yeah, it's, it's not, and it's and it's also and it's, like Dak has read all of these too, so right. he'd probably be up for talking about it. But yeah, once again, we'd be moving away from the Sanderson content. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, this one this review is a little bit longer, but it's not as long as some of the ones we're going to read here in a minute because there were lots of long rants about this book. I do have interesting. To but this one is a shorter, long one. Jackie S. says, I'm pretty sure this is the worst book I've ever read. It was extremely... I know, right? It was extremely misogynistic toward the main character we love, whether it be the violence Vin personally experiences and how it was written, or her, quote-unquote, how-to-be-a-wife arc in this book, to her personality removal, or to her ending. And that ending, not only was it horrible, and not at all very clever like the author thought it was, but it was offensive. How, what the heck is up with that? It just disgusts me that we get a fantasy book with a female lead with a clear hero's destiny, and it's just ripped away from her. It's not clever or subversive. It's bad writing. The writing was horrible and sometimes unreadable, and I was fine reading Mistborn. It read like an outline way too many times. The book was also really long for no reason. Also, what was up with the ableist crap? The book had our heroes degrade a man with a physical disability? Question mark, question mark. The coda was dumb, too. Old Sanderson here to remind you that women can't be gods as he has both of the original, in a sense, godly figures as both men, even though one of them is called preservation and every damn civilization has a mother nature myth. And oh my God, I hate this book. That's the end. All right. Well, look, I'm not a woman. Okay. So your opinions, this, this review writer, your opinions are very valid. And, you know, of course, of course, if you feel that way, you feel that way. But I feel like maybe you were kind of pushing some extra stuff on here that wasn't there. Because, I mean, I really don't think her destiny is ripped away from her. And maybe it's because I have the hindsight of secret history. But it's like, no, this this was her destiny. This was what she was meant to do. She was meant to be better than Kelsey or better than these these other men who are trying to rule the world, save the world, make the world in their image. And she gives up the power. She's better than them in the second book. She gives up the power instead of taking it for herself. She's better than them at the end of this series. She sacrifices the power and herself, which Ruin would never have considered that she would do, to destroy them both. And I think that that is, I mean, I guess I guess her complaint seems to be that. Instead of Vin being, being able to go on and be the god of this this new world it ends up being sazed i guess like it seems like maybe she's upset about that yeah but while we love vin while we know vin and vin is a good person i don't think vin could have accomplished what sazed accomplished because sazed was just a different person he'd studied his whole life and gained all this knowledge to be able to do exactly what he did at the end of the book i it couldn't happen in another way tindwill couldn't even have done what he did because she didn't study the same things. So I really don't see why, you know, you think it could have, it should have been a different way, but you know, what am I, you know, I'm not, I'm not anyone to talk about women in fiction. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it bugs me to I think I feel like it's really cutting undercutting Vin's character to be like, no, she had this clear hero's destiny and it gets ripped away from her and she gets nothing at the end because Sanderson says women can't be gods. And I'm like, no, Vin. And for, for one thing, ever since really the second book, there's been this thing where it's like she thinks she's the hero of ages. Sazed is like, is she the hero of ages? Is she not? And then when she gets really confident that, yes, I must be the hero based on these prophecies, that's when we find out the prophecies are bullshit and were changed to let the evil god escape. And so it was anything but a clear hero's destiny, quote unquote. It was an intentionally murky, is there even a hero? We don't even freaking know because all, all the resources that we have to go on are changed by the bad guy to help him win. So, yeah. And this person's like, that's not clever or subversive. It's bad writing. And I'm like, I I feel like it was actually really cleverly done the way that we're introduced to this stuff and we trust it. And then we find out we shouldn't trust it. And now we're, we have to question at every step what what is right, what is not. And the characters themselves are like, how much can we trust this information from a thousand years ago? Because we've already found out that it's led us wrong. So I don't I I, I don't necessarily agree with that part. Uh, yeah. The, the comment about what is this ableist crap? The book had our heroes degrade a man with a physical disability. I assume we're talking about set. And it's true that the book makes a joke out of the fact that Ham can talk to him and he has to sit there and can't run away because his legs don't work. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's ableist. I I always just thought of yeah. it as we know set is an asshole. And so right. he's getting a little payback here. And it just happens to come in the form of this because of his situation. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I've also been... You know, and this is uh, this isn't something I'm trying to speak to on a, from a political platform or anything like that. But I'm also like, what is I mean, what is equality really? Like this guy's a, sets an asshole, like we said. He's crippled. Why? Like, are we supposed to be treating him differently because he's crippled? I don't understand. Like, is he supposed to be cared for? He doesn't want that. It's very clear. Set's not the kind of guy that's like, take care of me. No, he was a king. He's 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 lazy and stuff. Uh, right. And he has servants do stuff for him, but that's not yeah, really the same. But as... that's that's not that's not him being crippled. That's him being a lazy asshole. Like that, <laughs> there's a difference. So yeah, I'm not sure about that either. Also, like Sazed, like the even the characters in the book, Sazed especially, he's shocked the most at the end when Vin is gone. He's like, yeah. no, like how this can't be. She was the one. She yeah. was the one who was supposed to do this. So it's not like he's saying. Mm, women can't do it. See, even our characters know she can't. Like, no, that's not what happened at all. Like, Sazed is so, he has so much faith that she's the one. She's she's it. And it's not until the very end when he's like, oh, crap, it's me. But I don't want it to be me. And then, you know, but he knows he's got to do it. Also, Vin was a god for a while, so he's definitely not saying uh, women can't be gods. Right. And slight spoiler, we found out that there are at least 16 gods out there, or were at some point, they're not all men, mm-hmm. so just... Oh, you know. well, thanks for spoiling that. <laughs> no, I mean, the odds were pretty good that they weren't all going to be men, but... Uh, okay. Let me let me pull another one out here. I uh, hope the women shards have hair loopies like Katara. <laughs> Katara's hair loopies are a great hairstyle. I don't even know sure. how you do it, but it looks cool. Yeah, it's it's very confusing to me, too. I can't I can't tell if they connect in the back or in the front. Or right, yeah. This one is an interesting one. It's a short. Meg says the second book of the series will forever be one of my favorite books ever. However, the ending of this book spat on everything I loved from this series. I can't in good <laughs> conscience give it more than one star. It is a tragedy of disappointments. 
there were a ton of things that felt off. The emphasis on other characters, the pacing, the resolution to Sazed's arc, Vin's arc. While the book does tie everything into a nice little bow, revealing Sanderson's foresight, it really makes me wonder. This is what you plan for? All that effort to plant little hints ahead of time and your whole master plan boiled down to this. I am saddened beyond belief and am in mourning for what could have been my favorite book series of all time. Hmm. So this, uh, it's funny to me that they love the second book so much. Right, very, yeah. Very interesting. And I'm I'm curious to know, like, the specifics of how this book particularly spits on the, yeah. the stuff from the last one, because I don't feel like it does that. But <laughs> I, I guess this is another case of, this person is more interested in the events that are taking place and not the character uh, characterization that is happening. Although they say that Vin and Sazed's arcs are unsatisfying. I'm not sure how, like, yeah, Vin dies. We've talked about that. It's a bummer. But she's with Ellen. They're together. So uh, they both died and they're both together. It's not like they're separated. Yeah. But uh, but says I feel like that was I feel like that's as kind of as good as it could have gotten. Right. Sazed. Because, you know, Tenwheel's not coming back. And now he's he's been charged with taking care of of Skadriel. And if you want if there's a guy you want to be in charge of your world and your life in, in, a, in a grand scheme of things where he where he winds the clock and then he sets it down. I feel like Sazed is that guy, and I think that's the whole point, is Sazed never grasped for power himself. He was always looking for something to believe in, something to hope in, and now he has become that thing. But, so, I, yeah, I mean, I really don't see how it's seen as unsatisfying, but... The, the person says that they don't like the folk, the emphasis on other characters, which I kind of assume has to mean spook, because I... I'm trying to think if any other characters get a lot of emphasis outside of, like, Vin and Ellen, who were already heavily emphasized, and Sazed, who's also already heavily emphasized. I mean, maybe Breeze gets a little more screen time than he has yeah. at some points. And Tenson. Oh, Tenson gets his own sections. Yeah, they're yeah. just not that long. That's, I, for, I kind of forgotten that. For a while, yeah. For a while, it was like we, uh, as the readers, were kind of like, oh, man, we like the Tenson stuff. This is good. Yeah, you're like, where's more um, Tenson? And, yeah, and to I'd be fair... Say... The end. His yes. end is a little anticlimactic. I was yeah. about to say that. Yeah, I think his end is probably the most unsatisfying character arc in this book because we, at this point, we really like Tenson. We're rooting for him, and then he never does make it back to see Vin again. And then, like, he he tries to choke Zazed out, and then he's gone. Like yeah. that's the end. So yeah, it is kind of a it's kind of a bummer. Okay, I got another one sentence one here. This person, uh, Anna says, really unfortunate that all the main characters suddenly have to have superpowers. That's it. <laughs> so uh, she's playing she's playing the Batman card, right? It's like, you know, Batman doesn't have superpowers. He's just as important and cool and good, which I totally agree with. I totally agree with. But I think that also that was kind of the point. Spook ended up doing quite a bit of things without his powers that were that were pretty good. And then he just gets powers at the end as a bonus, right? But we don't we don't actually see, at least not yet. I mean, I wasn't doing, even thinking about that. Yeah, what he's doing with his powers. But other than that, I really don't think that that uh, them all having the powers from the mist is a bad thing. I think it's kind of a cool idea, and it kind of also ex it, it like it gives us a little bit of a relief 
that this mystery of the mist and the people getting sick or dying is is kind of explained. It's like, okay, well they were getting sick because they were becoming mistings. And then the ones that the ones that got sick longer were becoming misborn. So I actually think that's pretty no, cool. No, the ones idea. who got sick the longest were the, the Adium mistings. Oh, so they could only do Adium. Oh, that's right. That's right. I knew that. Because they were they like tried other metals and none of them worked. Yeah, right. Really it's a weird complaint in my in my head about this book series that started like the first book all the main characters had powers that was the whole point that they they were yeah. part of, except for Doxon I guess they were all part of this crew where they each had these mm-hmm. different superpowers and used them in different ways and I guess yeah you make you made a point that Spook get made some, gets made a misborn at the end but he was always a Tenai so he always had some level right. of superpowers I guess like who I guess Ellen at the beginning of this like at the end of the last book becomes a misborn right and that's probably the biggest change is from nothing to everything that happens and so maybe that's what this person's yeah. upset about that Ellen was like the one guy who didn't have superpowers fighting in this thing but he was never really fighting that was kind of the thing was yeah. Vin, Vin had to save him from fights so I don't know well and I think maybe they're talking about the soldiers, like I was saying, like, uh, you know, yeah. all of a sudden, all of these soldiers have powers. None of them felt like main characters to me. So when they said all the mm-hmm. main characters, except for maybe Demu, I think he's still a secondary character at best. But I could see yeah. maybe an argument there. No, but you're totally right. They did say main characters. So they probably are talking about like Spook and Ellen and all this other stuff, which, uh, you know, at the end of the second book, we don't know for sure that Ellen has become a misborn, only that he can use pewter. So, yeah. Um, no, yeah. I think he, I, I think actually we see him bring Pewter when she saves him, and then in like the epilogue he's like, it looks oh, like I'm a, I guess I'm a misborn. That's right. I forgot about that. No, you're totally right. Uh, yeah. So I mean, come on. Like like we said in the first book, that was the whole point. It's like got to get Grease Man, got to get a this. Like yeah, you know, exactly. they had to have a crew with the full complement of abilities in order to be successful. And I, I'll give you. That one of my favorite things in fiction is where you're you're in these worlds with these superpowers or whatever, and there's the one guy who doesn't have any, but because he's really clever and smart and like works really hard at it or whatever, he can still like hang in there with the with all the other guys, like Batman, basically. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I like that in a story a lot. So it disappoints me when you get into a story and I'm, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but there's one book series I'm thinking of in particular that's like five books long. And it centers on this character that's like that is exactly that. Like it's a world of superpowers. It's the one guy who, for whatever reason, doesn't have any, and he's forced to deal with that and to hold his own even without them. And then at like the end of the third book or something, they're like, "Okay, you have superpowers now." And I'm just like, "Really? (laughs) Did we need to do that? Like that? I feel like that undercuts everything we've been doing up till now." So I get it. I get that perspective. I don't think Ellen was that guy. Ellen was not like. You know, I don't have superpowers, but I'm going to use my smarts to hang in there and and still be. No, he was the guy who stands behind everyone who has superpowers because that's what he had to do. Right. Yeah. Why? While we're on the subject of Batman, if you want to see something like that, where a super smart guy outwits a bunch of uh, people, read the Tower of Babel. It was great. You mean the 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 graphic novel? Mm hmm. Okay, well, you said like that as if, as if like, it didn't involve Batman. I'm like, but Batman's in the Tower of Babel. What are no, we... no, 100% I'm talking about Batman. Okay, okay. I was like, that does sound like Batman because it's Batman. They did a, they did a, <laughs> they did a, they did a the DC animated movies did a take on that, which mm. wasn't quite as good as the graphic novel, but was still decent. Uh, like, I think it's Justice League Doom. Oh, yeah. I've been watching yeah. through the DC animated movies lately, so that one sticks out when we're talking about yeah. that. Speaking of DC stuff, 
I did see the Suicide Squad on HBO Max because I didn't. I forget that they put all their stuff on HBO Max as well. Right. I, I'm glad I didn't pay to go see it in the theater. It was good, but uh, not not so good that I would have wanted to pay to see it. I'm glad I saw it on the big screen. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I totally forgot until almost the end of the movie that I'm like, oh, that character, that voice is Sylvester Stallone. I did not remember this. Oh, uh, who does he play? King Shark. Oh, Nanawe, huh? I did not yeah. realize that was him either. Like, he says one line at one point, and I'm like, man, that sounds like, oh my god, that's right, that's Sylvester Stallone. What the <laughs> That's funny. Speaking yeah, no, of which, I, there, I didn't remember that. I just, I just saw Free Guy today, and uh, there are some famous people, like, playing uh, random, like, voices of background characters in that, too, that I didn't notice until you get into the credits, and the credits were rolling, and I'm sitting there like, wait, what? Hugh Jackman was random guy in Alley. Dwayne Johnson was random bank robber. What the what the hell's going on here? <laughs> they really wanted to fill it with stars. So yeah, there's some random fun people in there. Yeah, I'll say Idris Elba. You know, no offense to Will Smith. Idris Elba much more interesting to watch than Will Smith. Idris Elba was yeah. I'll yeah. I'm I'm good with that. There's I saw some people complaining that uh, he's apparently been cast to play Knuckles in the second Sonic movie. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, wh- why not? Who cares about that? Well, Dak, for one, was like, wait, yeah, fine. Don't cast an Aussie to play the Echidna. Sure. And somebody else was like, yeah. hey, what, what, it's not like Australia is the only place. that. You f- oh, it, OK, never mind. Sorry. Because, yes, that's where it gets. <laughs> hey, I mean, come on. Don't don't be like that. I mean, it was made in Japan. Uh, none of the none of the games where they talk. I don't think he's Australian. I don't know that I've ever, uh, I, I don't recall Knuckles talking in a game. I'm sure it's happened plenty, but there's yeah. at least one TV show that he was in, and I'm sure he was not Australian in that one, so. No, no. You talk, I mean, really what they should have done is is have uh, Steve Urkel play play him in the live-action movie, but that didn't happen, so. Oh, play Sonic, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he plays Sonic, he's played Sonic more than anybody else. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Sorry, we were talking about Knuckles, and so for a second there, I thought you meant Knuckles. I was like, well, why? But no, Sonic, no. yeah, he, he he plays Sonic a lot. It makes sense. That would be the ultimate baller move, though, if he did play Knuckles. You're like, fine, you won't. <laughs> right, you give won't me let Sonic. Me, give me yeah, Knuckles. it's like, you won't give me Sonic? I'll play Knuckles. <laughs> it's like, uh, we'll have a we'll have a duel between me and, uh, what's his name, Ben something, Ben Schwartz. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to go toe-to-toe with Ben Schwartz, see how you like that. <laughs> Okay, this one's interesting, but quite long. So here we go. And and I guess this person came back in. Okay, well, anyway, here it goes. Tamson says, this book receives 1.5 stars. It was a one-star review, so I don't know if you can't leave 0.5 stars on Goodreads or if uh, they changed it. But the series overall receives a two-star rating. Here's the thing about this series. You can't give it a one-star because there are good moments. If you don't mind wading every book through 300 pages of repetitive bullshit to get to the interesting shit, and then wade through another 150 pages for shit to get interesting again. For real. Those like two to three chapters over the series are really good. In all seriousness, though, I'm trying to decide if Brandon Sanderson needs to be a better writer or if the editor needs work or if perhaps the publishing company needs to be less greedy. Why does everything need to be a trilogy or more? This was probably a book with a sequel, maybe. I think it's probably a combo of greediness, poor edits, editing and Sanderson's shitty writing. He blows. I can't help compare him to the Wheel of Time author, Robert Jordan. Sanderson takes over the series after Jordan's death. I can't honestly speak to Sanderson's portion of the series, but Wheel of Time is about 12 books, and they're each about 950 pages. I've heard Sanderson is excellent in comparison to Jordan. Jordan is terrible. 
He's repetitive and cliched. And guess what? In this Mistborn series, I kept comparing Sanderson to Jordan. Sanderson is incredibly repetitive. Did you know that Vin has a verbally abusive brother and it's hard for her to dress people and she hates slash loves dresses? Did you know that Ellen loves books and political theory and Vin? And he's really surprised he's ever become emperor and he wears white uniforms even though it's ashes all the time? Did you know that Breeze is secretly a totally nice guy? Did you know that Aurian can riot people and she is so totally girly? I could tell you one to three facts about every person in the series simply because Sanderson cannot shut up about the only three facts they have. Because, ahem, he's a very superficial writer who cannot write a character study to save his life. Also, Sanderson is just incredibly boring. Except for those two chapters, I seriously can't believe that he can make this thing so lame. Just one more nagging thing about Sanderson's inability to write. If you have to include important details in italics before the start of every chapter, these are not notes or even part of the chapter, to have people figure out what the hell is going on and to let the magic of your world make sense, it's probably not a sign that you're a good writer. Seriously, if you have to include three sentences explaining the Well of Ascension, or how Ruin was created, and why releasing the power ended up being a bad thing, or how basic principles work in your world before the chapter and totally separate of the plot, I am not impressed in your ability to do jack shit. At first I thought these italicized notes were like compliments to the chapter for the more in-depth fan who wanted to know more about the world. They're not. They are critical reading. If you do not read these stupid notes before each chapter, you'll never understand the logic of anything, which frankly pisses me off. Good writers and good world builders, which I keep reading in reviews is a compliment for Sanderson, excuse me while I roll my eyes, do not need to critically explain their world separate from the plot. Yes, intricate world builders can add appendices or even separate books that serve as atlases and what have you. They do not need to give you sentences that are necessary to read to explain what's happening in the actual book. I'm stopping here because, frankly, I can't waste any more time on this. Yes, there's some entertaining scenes, but if anyone describes this to you as excellent or must read, find something else. There are authors that do this better. Hmm. Well, he's got some points. Uh, I don't know if they're good points, but uh, he's <laughs> got some points. No, I mean, I get it, man. It's not for you. Like, this is, it's not for you. That's that's basically what I'm getting out of all of it. It works for some people, though. But I would argue, and, and maybe this, because this was drilled into me when I was at the university, you, if you read a book, you're supposed to read the whole thing. The author put it in there for a reason. It's not it's not for you to just skip over because you don't think it's important. I I am a very strong believer that you read the forward. If there's a forward, you read the preface. If there's a preface, you read the prologue, you read the epilogue, you read the notes. That is what it's there for. If they didn't put it there, or if they if they put it there, then you're supposed to read it. If if they don't want you to read it, they wouldn't put it there. So hmm. I completely disagree with him on that. But yeah, I mean, obviously he's got some problems with the way Sanderson writes. And look, the good news is not everything is for everyone. So that's true. Um, you know, these books aren't even totally 100 percent for me. I like them. I've, you know, I, I, th I found them interesting. I found the characters interesting. I found the world building interesting. But uh, but yeah, obviously this guy uh, didn't didn't feel that way. I'm surprised he made it through. All three books, honestly. Yeah, you know, especially, uh, yeah, if the epigraphs bother you that much, that's a big thing all the way through. So, and I, I don't know, really, it is, yeah, it's got, it's just different opinions because I love the way that the epigraphs are used in all three of the books because they're used differently in each of the three books. And in each three books, I feel like they do some interesting stuff. And it's, it's a kind of thing that I like. And so, yeah, we're really getting into a personal preferences thing. One of my favorite, and if we ever get this far, he, he one of the books that, 
or one of the series he's written does use this, one of the non-Cosmere series. One of my favorite in literature comedic approaches is when people use footnotes or endnotes for comedy. The kind of thing where you, you, you can think about it in a movie or a TV show where it's like, this is sure to work. And then it pauses and there's like a, a, like a voice. It's like, it didn't. And so I love, yeah, I love when there's like end notes or footnotes where it's like something happens. And then there's like this comedic footnote to it. That's like, here's some random backstory on this thing. That's really funny or stuff like that. And so maybe that's a reason that I like the epigraphs and the way he uses them is because it's the kind of, uh, it's a kind of thing that I enjoy, but, uh, there's there's some really funny books out there where it's like most of the comedy actually comes from the notes and not from the main text itself, which I, I, I totally I started writing something in college that used that very heavily that I never actually got around to finishing. But it was like the concept was that it was like a, a guy on death row who was like like in like really famous for these gruesome murders he committed and was convicted for. And it was like his autobiography his memoirs of uh like his side of the story the true side of the story but it was after the guy was dead and like some researcher had found like this you know bundle in stuff that he'd left behind with all his notes and so the researcher had published it and it was exactly what the guy wrote but the researcher had put his own like footnotes in and so at first they're really they're really academic where the guy's like one of the lines is the, the guy's like so I went to this college and got this degree in this. I'm not going to say what college it is because I, you know, I don't want to taint them by association with what, what has happened to my, my name, basically. And then there's a footnote where the guy's like, the researcher's like, so judging from the year and this guy's name and the degree that he said he graduated with, there's this one college that we can basically narrow it down to that he must be talking about that fits in with everything he said. So it's very like academic stuff at first. And then as the story progresses, and it becomes clear that the guy's story is a bunch of BS. It starts to be very like funnier footnotes where the, the guy writes that it happened this way. And then the researcher's like, yeah, here's all this evidence that shows that this is a complete lie. And it's really funny the way that he writes it in there. And so I love that. That's just my personal uh, uh, preference. Yeah. Hey, man, don't uh, you're going to cut all that out. You can't give away your concepts. Somebody's going to stake. Somebody's going to steal it. Did I, I, that was like 15 years ago and I never went back to work on it after like three chapters. So I don't think yeah. that uh, if somebody else wants that, they can have it. <laughs> never say never, man. You never know. I'm working on different things now. It's all good. If I, uh, if I write that, are you going to like, are you going to call bullshit and like say it was your idea and shit? No, probably. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I would be like, Hey, he totally stole that idea from me, <laughs> but I told him he could. So, so it's okay. All right, cool. Which it's, it's funny that you say that because the first chapter yeah. Uh, the, the first whole chapter of the, the book was like this guy talking about how his mom was crazy and it was largely based on our mom. So, uh, Oh, perfect. Yeah. So, so you totally summer, can get away with it <laughs> this summer. Look for my book this coming summer, uh, two, 2022 look for my book mem uh, memoirs of, a of a serial killer annotations by, uh, by Franz, uh, Finkelstein. There you go. That's a good name. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, let's... Uh, how long would we go on this? Yeah, let's do, like, one more. Let me find a good one. Okay. Tallulah says, I honestly wish I could eternal sunshine my mind of this book. The whole whiny series, in fact. Not one character I liked. Okay, the soother and ham were okay, I guess. What's worse, I read the entire series thinking surely this can get better. 
Then I kept reading in hopes that Vin would just die. At times, it felt like I was reading an episode of Dragon Ball Z, the way they go on about her power level. It's over 9,000, by the way. The series touted the poor, damaged Vin thing around like a banner. It was less of a weakness and more a thing to be pitied. The worst crime of all is that it didn't make me care. Not for the Ska, not for Vin, not for her annoying rich husband, and not for the world that the author created. I will concede the Inquisitors are pretty cool, as were the Conjure. The whole idea of the medals was well thought out, as well as the powers, but ultimately, this left me feeling cheated. I love some young adult fa- fiction from time to time, but this book was not for me. It t- does appear to be for others, so yeah, rant over. <laughs> love the Dragon Ball Z comparison. You know, and it did feel that way at times, uh, especially since since we were reading, you know, three, two, three chapters at a time, at, it, and then having to talk about them. It did kind of feel like some, <laughs> some there was some filler in there. So I, I get that. <laughs> but yeah, a very interesting comparison. So yeah, you, you said it. You said it in your review. It's not for you. Uh, it's It's for other people. And I don't think there's, I really don't think Vin's, like, stuff, her personal stuff is used for us to pity her. But the fact that you're saying you don't care, I'll be honest, that kind of makes you sound like an ass. <laughs> uh, like, just to say, like, I don't care about the ska. I don't care about her. Well, then what do you care about? Like, seriously, what do you, what do you care about? Cause these people I'm impressed that you made it through three books, like, for real? not caring about any of it. Yeah, because, I mean, if I was that empathetic, I would have put it down after the first few chapters. Even if we were doing the podcast, I would have been like, you know what, dude, I'm, I'm out. I don't think I can do this. Because you're you're supposed to care. So if you don't care, I don't think that's the author's fault. I think that's your fault. You you just don't care. So move on and do, do something else. Read something else. Yeah, it's just, Tallulah, you and I are very different people because I, I can't imagine someone coming out of this and being like, Breeze and Ham were my favorites. They were okay, I guess. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you, you don't give a shit yeah. about Vin, but Breeze and Ham are your favorite. Okay. I mean, if that's if that's your thing, I guess. <laughs> not to say that Breeze and Ham are bad. I don't dislike Breeze and Ham. But it's like, I love Vin. And Kelsier is like, uh, really fun to read, even if he's like a, a sociopath in a lot of ways. Um, it, it, yeah, I just, I, I don't get it, you know? Yeah. It's her, just, power, yeah her power shock, is over 9,000. Sure. Constantly. Uh, but yeah, at a certain w- point, it's over one million when she's a god. Oh yeah, when she's a god, exactly. She's she's gone like Super Saiyan God. Yeah, Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan Blue or whatever. Yeah, well, it's, if it's Super Saiyan God, it's red. If it's Super red, Saiyan yeah. God, yeah. If it's Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan, then it's blue. Okay, well that's just dumb. And then when it's uh, Ultra Instinct, it's silver. Does silver look good? I'm trying to picture that, and I don't think I can picture it. It looks okay. It looks it it kind of just makes him look like he's old. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, but yeah, there was, there was a couple of themes that came out in my reading the reviews. One of them, that one who talked about like Vin getting cheated, a lot of people, and we saw it some in the last book where it's like, Vin is, and we've talked about it before. There's like not a lot of female characters in the book. Vin is the female character that you get and that you can be proud of. She's this awesome, badass female character. People were upset that like Ellen is suddenly the stronger of the two in terms of raw, like Mistborn power. Like, yeah, of course, she can't be stronger than her husband because you couldn't have that. Women got to be beaten down by the men in their lives or whatever. So that was a, that was a common. But at the same time, and, pe- and and it's funny because people ask Brandon, they're like, so who would win in a fight between Vin and Ellen? Because you said Ellen's stronger. And he's like, well, yeah, but raw strength doesn't mean everything. Like, right. Vin is way more like... skilled. She would be yes. easily. 
Yeah, and I feel like that's pointed to many times in the book. Yeah. Like she like Ellen said, Ellen says, like, yeah, I've got power and I but I have to work at like doing this alamancy stuff. Vin is natural. Yeah, it's like breathing. She's like a prodigy. Yes. Like it just happens. She thinks it and it happens. Moving around with horseshoes, no one had ever thought of that before, and she just did it. Yep. So like like very clearly she is superior even even against Kelsier when she fought against Kelsier when she very first started training it is very clear that she is more skilled or faster at picking it up than even Kelsier is yep so because even Kelsier's kind of like whoa uh that's weird that that shouldn't happen yeah it's like um, she she like stood up to me in this pushing battle and given the difference in our weights there's no way that should have been possible but right. she's just that good yeah so like I don't know Again, it's like, I don't really know what you're saying here. People that are complaining about that. It's like, it's clear that she's better than her husband at the Alamancy stuff. It's very clear. In fact, if Ellen wasn't given the straight Lorassium to become a Mistborn, he probably would have died at yeah. some point without well, he would have, there to help he, him. He, he would have died at the end of book two because he was about to die. Well, yes. To him, but. But, but I mean, like, if he had become a Mistborn some other way, like he snapped or something. Oh, okay. I don't think he would have been as well equipped to handle the things that happened in the third book as far as like staying alive. Well, and when it comes down to it, like Vin becomes a God in this book. Like, I'm not sure how you can say that, like the men are keeping her down when she ascends to Godhood and chooses to sacrifice herself to save the world. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I, 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 I don't agree with you, I guess is where we come down on that. Uh, whatever. Yeah, they wanted the story to end differently. And, and you know, to be fair, I did too. I, mm -hmm, I, wanted, yeah. I wanted her to live, but it didn't happen that way. But I don't think that makes the book bad. It just makes it end differently than, way, than the way that I wanted. Yeah, and, and we talked about that at the time. Like, I was, I had the same thing. When I got to the end of the book, I really wished, I was like, oh, no. I, I love, like, I love Vin. Vin is one of my favorite characters in fiction. I really like her a lot. I did not want her to die. But... I also thought that yeah. the way that it was written was really well done and that the whole setup and payoff to the story worked really well. And then after you see her in Secret History, you're like, man, this wraps up even better. Like she's come – her yeah, character 100%. arc wraps – goes so – like the arc from the beginning of the story to the last time we see her in Secret History, it's like a really amazing character arc for her. Yeah. If you read the first three Mistborn books and you don't – and you haven't read Secret History, I would say just for the sake of feeling – that wrap up, you, you got to go do it. I think it was really good uh, thinking on your part to to have us read that right after what was fresh. Because mm -hmm. even if there is stuff we're going to pick up on later because of it that we, you know, maybe we shouldn't have. I really think that reading it and getting that kind of that sense of closure was was important for the enjoyment of the of the first three books. Yeah, I, I, I agree, obviously, since I picked that time to put it. But I, you're like, hey, if you haven't read this, if if people are listening and you've listened to us all the way through here and you haven't read it yet, then I'm sorry for uh, because yeah. you have had it all spoiled. <laughs> yeah, what do we, what do we have? Like, uh, <laughs> what, what episode is this? We're up yeah, to like this is uh, 68 or something. <laughs> yeah, so you've got 68. You know, probably uh, half of those went more than half of those went two hours. So you've got uh, several days worth of content for something that you didn't read. I'm not sure why you're here. Well, no, even if you just didn't read secret history, like you, right. you listened to like four or five episodes on that and we told you everything that happened. So I'm sorry. Yeah, that's it's true. A late. Uh, yeah, anyway. it's true. 
I feel like these reviews kind of wrap up what people thought of the series as a whole, as far yeah. as one star reviews. Yeah. But uh, how, let's let's review the reviewers. Like, what uh, of these three books was there a particular review that stuck out to you that you felt was like especially true, or that you really thought was ridiculous? I'm still, I'll be honest, my brain's still thinking about the magic system is trite and, yep. and the, uh, story, the story. No, the story right. is trite and the magic system the magic, is dumb or stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Without even making it through the first chapter. I mean, I, I was I'm thinking still the exact thinking same that thing. One. Yep. That's the one that sticks out to me. <laughs> Which I, that may have been the very first one we did at all. I think it was. Like, yeah. It's, it's just like, wow. It's, just, dude. it's amazing. It's, it's just amazing. <laughs> That one and and, what, the, and from this episode, the thinly veiled Mormon propaganda. Oh yeah, the the balls on somebody to be like, <laughs> magic sucks. I didn't finish Story's the first trite. chapter, but the story is trite. Yeah, <laughs> one star. Me, I'm gonna take to the internet. Let everyone yeah. know. <laughs> Got to make sure people are aware. I read like two percent of this book. Fuck this book. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. Oh man, that's great. Okay, yeah, that's that's gonna be the one that sticks out forever now. Uh, let's see, we we need to I need to figure out a way to use that. It's just gonna be like, that's gonna be the go to now. The story is trite. We're gonna get through the the prologue. Yeah. Oh my god, story is trite. Yeah, I'm gonna get uh, go back to Elantris chapter one and be like, man, this Raiden guy, what a dickhead. <laughs> oh yeah, because in chapter one, that's the only person we've met, right? So yeah, like, yeah this guy he turns yeah. into a zombie, right? I haven't heard Oof. that. Before, whatever. It's the worst. <laughs> oh, look, there's goo on the walls. Oh, boy. What a trope. Oh, my gosh. Fecal matter goo. I knew you were going to bring it back. And after yeah. that, you got raised like you destroyed me. <laughs> you <ruined laughs> you destroyed me. <laughs> I can't even eat now. The slime is fe- feces. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no, it's not good. No. Okay, we have one email to do this week. So let me hit that. This is from somebody uh, who's in the uh, the Discord. So it says, howdy, Sander Lanch, but mostly Joe. This one's for you, my man. What? Michael here, although at this point, Wolfbite, pronounced Wolfbite. It's spelled differently. Maybe better. Is so that like Cockbite? Or? Well, it's W-U-L-F-B-Y-T-E. So it's not like Cockbite. Since that's how the Discord knows me. And there's also a million Michaels out there. Joe, let us have a little chat about a recent discovery made by our good host Data in the first baby breakout. (laughs) Data found something very interesting while enjoying the many offerings of the internet. Dinosaur erotica exists. I do not blame you for your reaction, which if you don't remember was something like, no, 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 why? I'm paraphrasing. I believe, I believe my exact reaction was like, what? (laughs) But your reaction got me thinking. You know how Data wants ideas for extra content. You know how he keeps mentioning, you know, maybe something for a Patreon. Strap in, buddy. Buddy, it's time to unveil exactly what I will be hoping that happy, what I will be more than happy to pay for. Joe needs to read Dinosaur Erotic and react to Dinosaur Erotica. Just think. (laughs) (laughs) Just think. Soft, sensual music in the background. You narrate a complex yet graceful mating ritual. Two massive lizards enjoying a special moment together in a crazy world. Will the T-Rex in the background cause a disruption? Or maybe, actually, I'm going to end there in hopes that in hopes of keeping this somewhat appropriate. I have no doubt you will gladly comply with these humble demands. Good old Joe, bringing us wholesome new content from another time. Trust me, this is where the money is. Wasing to the time of next, Sule. Wolf bite. 
P.S. Please don't think me some wow. pervert that requires the intimacy of oversized lizards to enjoy life. This email <laughs> is a joke. <sighs> Look, as soon as I heard about dinosaur erotica, I uh, said disgusting, gross, and uh, I have not changed my opinion on dinosaur erotica. I will not be subjecting myself to any dinosaur erotica uh, of any kind. For some uh, reason, I thought you were going to be like, as soon as I heard about it, I went to Google and no. had to find it. For myself. No, no, I uh, I did not even like, you know, sometimes I have a morbid curiosity about things. So I'll give them the old Google. Not not so with dinosaur erotica, not interested <laughs> at all in dinosaur erotica. Couldn't couldn't be more disgusted by it. Although uh, I did play back my reaction because people were talking about it and I have to say, <laughs> I reacted exactly as I hoped I would react <laughs> to hearing about dinosaur erotica. <laughs> I was just as disgusted as I would hope that I would be. Because <laughs> it is, I'm just, ugh, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, if you enjoy dinosaur erotica and you're listening to this, please don't, don't. You know what? I, I don't want to lose any listeners, but please stop listening. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to do that. The views of Joe do not necessarily represent the views <laughs> of the Sanderlanch podcast. Sure, it's sure. affiliates. I'm an individual. Or, uh... <laughs> I'm an individual. Yeah. No, but I just. I don't. I mean, I just don't get it. You know, <laughs> I don't get it. Like, hey, you know what? <laughs> people out there, you do you. No judgment yeah, here. Sure. No, I'm judging you hard. <laughs> uh, if you like dinosaur erotica, because I don't. I mean. Ugh. I mean, but uh, I, honestly, I'd be that way. The I'd be the same way about any any bestial erotica. So like dog erotica, no. Cat erotica, definitely not. Unicorn erotica, no thanks. Like I don't, I don't need it. You know, whatever happened to whatever happened to a man and a woman, or even a woman and a woman, or a man and a man just having sex? Like why do we gotta why do we gotta have all this extra? <laughs> Anyway, moving on completely from uh, from all of that for next week, I don't know exactly what we'll, what we'll be doing. I haven't actually decided yet. Uh, not going to be dinosaur erotica. That's for yeah. sure. No, definitely not. Cut um, this out. We, we don't want to make them <laughs> unsure about what they're going to hear. No, I don't, we'll figure it out. But um, come back next time for I don't know what it's going to be. I want to thank everyone in this court and through emails and stuff who've been uh, sending Best wishes for Dak and Jamie. I've forwarded one email at least to them that came through and people in discord as soon as they found out, it was like, Oh my gosh, congratulations. And we're so happy for you. So Dak and Jamie, if you're listening to this episode, there were lots and lots of well wishes mm-hmm. uh, and uh, people super excited for you. So, and hope you're doing well. Yeah. Also, thank you guys for listening still with Dak and Jamie being gone. We uh, appreciate it. We, we uh, Dana and I thought it was very important that you guys still got something. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, we like doing this, otherwise we wouldn't do it. But, uh, so we wanted to make sure that we didn't just leave you guys hanging and, uh, we will figure out something for next week, but we appreciate your patience and, and everything through this. And I, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I think, I think he and I both enjoyed doing it. So. Oh yeah. It was a lot of fun. A lot very interesting stuff that we discovered about, uh, people's opinions that I mm-hmm. did not know. Yeah, that's true. I, I know a lot about these books and I know, and you know, the background details I've, I've like read the stuff that Brandon has answered and obviously the uh, annotations and all this stuff. So I, I have a lot of knowledge about the books and the universe. I did not have a lot of knowledge about uh, how some people reacted to it and the opinions that are out there. 
It really it made me look at some stuff in new ways, which that's kind of cool all by itself. And it gave me the opportunity to call out some insane people who say insane, crazy shit. <laughs> and that's always fun. And, uh, yeah, we, we found out the story was trite, you know. Yeah, exactly. So thank you for sticking with us, guys. And uh, we're going to come up with something fun for next week. And then the week after that, if yep. things go to plan, we will be back into Elantris for chapters uh, 7, 8, and 9. So, yeah, I need to read those. So I still haven't read them. Yeah, I kind of figured that you would hold off for a while, at least, since we weren't going to be hitting them for a while. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm going to have to remember what happened, too. Yeah, we are have to go back and remember what happened in the first six chapters. At least at least we're not like halfway through the book and it's like, oh, crap, what happened? We're yeah, six exactly. chapters in. So <laughs> that's true. We didn't get too far in. So that's good. Uh, so anyway, thanks, everybody. We really appreciate it. If anyone wants to send us emails like the email that we got and maybe not exactly like the email we just got, no, uh, you can send no. us an email at uh, the Sanderlanch at Gmail dot com. You can also find us on Twitter. And on Facebook and Instagram and all those sorts of places where cool internet interweb things happen. So hit us up, send us messages, leave some five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts if you've never done that, and Joe will jump you into the misting crew. Sure will. You better answer the door when I get there, too. (laughs) (laughs) Music by Miracle of Sound and was to the time of next. Colo. (laughs) 